0: Okay. Yeah. Absolutely. So, uh, uh, we're going to talk about what it means to be uh, a foreigner, not a member of the band. Uh, this past week, uh, I was having lunch with with a group of people. We were out. We were out for lunch, and this person, who will go r- forever be be nameless, I will, I will never divulge who this is. Um, this person, we were we were ordering our lunch, and this person said, "I don't like sweet tea," and I thought, "Hmm." I thought, uh, you ain't from around here. (laughs) That's fine that you don't like it, but we don't say that we don't like it here. Because this is the south. This is where we're from. I thought, man, yeah, you're not from around here. Have you ever spent time in a a non-Christian country? Let me ask you that. Ever spent time in an anti-Christian country? in a place where maybe Christianity isn't the largest religion. Maybe it's uh, unpopular or unwelcome. Um, I've been to some uh, some predominantly Muslim countries with with my dad in, in Africa. It's uh, it's different. It's different. One of those things, uh, that slide that, that I... Go and put that slide up there. Do you guys know what this is? Have you ever seen one of these? They don't have them in uh, in our hotel rooms here in the States, but... Uh, abroad, in in many, many countries, they have this. It's called a Qibla. I'm not sure about the pronunciation. It just means direction, and usually they're on the ceiling. It's just an arrow on the ceiling in your hotel room. Do you know what it's for? Yeah. It points in the direction of Mecca, so as a Muslim, you know which direction to kneel and pray. We don't have those in our Motel 6, do we? It's this reminder that man, you're. This may not be a Christian country. That it's a reminder that maybe you are a foreigner here. Good thing that's not us, though, right? Uh, Some people tell me all the time, like, "Man, we live in a Christian nation. Isn't it so great to live in a Christian nation?" And and I usually like tongue in cheek ask them, like, "If we live in a Christian nation, how come there's no traffic on Sunday morning?" You know, or or maybe you're you're thinking like like even some of the people in First Peter are thinking. You know, I'm not a foreigner. I've lived here my whole life, which no one is from Franklin except for Rob Walker, right? Like he's our only one. You're all, but you're you're saying I'm not a foreigner. Like I'm from the 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 buckle of the Bible Belt. I'm from I'm from the South. And if if we live in such a Christian nation though like where are the Christian virtues? Right that I mean that seems an obvious thing. If we live in a Christian nation, we would have Christian virtues like the Christian ideas would would be valued and celebrated. Like marriage. Right, if we lived in a Christian nation, the idea of marriage would be held, you know, sacred and this this holy Covenant idea, but the divorce rate for Christians and non-Christians, like really, there's there's not much distinction here, is there? I love. Um, sometimes I get to meet with couples who are or, who are maybe thinking about marriage, or uh, and and almost unanimously now, when when I meet with a couple who's thinking about marriage, that almost unanimously they've already been living together for X number of years, and so I then we address this idea of like. Um, Sex, you know, so this is a, one of our fun topics we talk about in, like, premarital preparation. So uh, they've already been living together, and so what do we do, and what God wants. And so I bring up this idea of chastity. I said, hey, look, I know you've already been living together, so well, I, I'm just going to ask, I'm just going to put, put this out there, that, that what God desires is chastity before marriage. So I, I just ask that you guys choose, choose to not have sex I don't care. Maybe you need to live in a different place. You need to separate yourself. Uh, if, if maybe one of you can sleep on the couch and one of you in the bedroom, I don't know if you've got the willpower for that. You know, you can come sleep on my couch, you know. But I, I, just, I just ask that you guys, you know, be, be chased before your marriage. Choose to be chased. And uh, this is usually when the laughter starts. No joke. Because this is such a crazy, foreign idea in our world that we've already been living together. Why would we choose to be be chaste? And I said, well, this is what God wants. This, this is his desire. Christian nation. I love talking to teenagers about Christian virtues, um, the virtue, like uh, nobody likes, you know, we all love to talk about forgiveness. Nobody likes to talk about chastity. Like, it's it's not even considered in our world. I have a friend who uh, is a is a businessman, and uh, in the in sales, so always on a plane, always always traveling, always sailing. You know, he's he's sailing stuff all over, and uh, um, when you're. I, I Again, this is not my world, but I guess when you're in sales, you have these clients, and you always need to take care of your clients, right? So he's always taking his clients out to lunch. He's always taking his clients out to play golf. You know what I'm saying? Like, they, he, he always, like, he's taking care of, of his clients until one day he came, and he told me, he said, man, I was meeting with these clients. They're really important clients. Man, this is, this is a huge, huge account for our company. And I just said I said to him, I said, Man, how could we thank you for your business? You know, how how can I take care of you? You know, that's one of the things I want to do. And they said, Well, we want to go to the strip club. And he said, Okay. And he had this moment of like, Well, I'm I'm a Christian, and I believe in my faith. And I, maybe a strip club is not exactly what God wants for my life. But if I, if I go to the, if, if I don't go, if I don't, if I don't take these guys to the strip club like they ask, then, then our company could lose the account. You know, and then if I make it weird and say, well, you know, I'm not going to, you know, be, be harsh or critical of you guys if that's where you want to go. I just can't go because of my faith. I'm because I'm a Christian. Like that just creates weirdness, right? Like Christian nation. Um I'm I'm hesitant to talk about this story, but but it it was so it was so prominent in my mind that, that I want to share it. So uh you know the the previous mayor of uh Davidson County. You guys know Mayor Megan Berry. All right, so Megan Berry had an affair, was accused of this affair. She stayed in office, said, hey, I'm, I can keep doing my job. This affair has come out. It's no big deal. And then it wasn't until I, I'm, weeks later that it was actually like she used city money to, to support this affair. And when it was found out that she used city money to support this kind of this affair, this relationship, that was this illicit relationship, that's when you know, like, okay, now you've committed a crime. Now you can't be in office anymore. Now you have to step down. And I don't know, was she fired or did she step down? I I, I don't know. She stepped down. Either way, yeah, (laughs) one of it was coming. And uh, so this story had been floating around. Uh, maybe you've heard about it. And, and I was listening to the radio just driving to work one day. And, and they were talking about this whole situation of, of, of the mayor and, and she's had this affair. And, and the, whole, the, the whole conversation was, man, we don't care that she had an affair. We were fine for her to keep being the mayor because she was doing the job as the mayor. The, the fact that she had an affair means nothing to us. We don't care about her personal life at all. All we care about is that she is getting the job done. Did you hear any of this kind of conversation? Did you? Am I the only one? So I heard it on the radio, like, like, hey, who cares about her personal life? She's doing a job for us. She's getting the job done. And and the only reason that she had to step down or or would have been fired was because she actually committed a crime of using funds to support this fair. But but. Regardless of that, she would have still be in office and she would still be fine. And, and, I, and I thought, man, that is a profoundly unchristian idea. I don't, you know, we don't care you know, they, about your personal life as long as they get the job done. As if somehow the heart can be separated from the body. Christian nation, a place where immorality is is rampant, greed is prized over charity, fame over humility. Go back to that verse again. Remember what Peter calls these Christians? Remember, they haven't moved to a new country. Do you see that? The, they're still in the, their hometowns where they grew up, where they knew no every everyone already knows them. They, <laughs> they're not suddenly now moving to an unchristian nation. They're living in the exact same place, and yet Peter says, "Those of you God's chosen who are living as foreigners." He says, "What what has changed?" is not your location. What has changed is the person. And he says, I'm going to write this letter to you who are now living as new men and women in the same old place. He says, I'm going to write a letter to you who are living as foreigners. And and this is awesome. This is an incredible message. We're going to unpack this more and more over over the coming weeks. So what do you tell to what do you tell Christians who are living in an unchristian world? What do you tell them? How would you encourage them? How would you challenge them? They're they're feeling it. They're feeling it. Like, oh my my clients want me to take them to the strip club. Like, oh, they want me to do these things and I don't know if that's who I am. Do you feel all that angst? And Peter's writing to them, and, and the first thing he tells them is, uh, I, I'm just going to pick out a couple of things, but one of the first things he tells them is that God knew you. Isn't that what he says? God the Father knew you. This is, this is so important. Like, he knows who you are. Like, he knows this pressure. He, he knows what it feels like to live for him in a place that doesn't recognize him. And you're, maybe you're thinking, well, that's not me. I don't, I don't know how to live for him. Or, or surely God wouldn't expect me to, to live out my faith. That, that would be contrary to the world around me. But it says, he knew you and still he chose you. Long ago, he chose you. I'm writing to God's chosen people. He chose you long ago. And you've been cleansed by the blood. He goes on to say that, and his spirit has made you. What's that word? I know that's, that's a fancy church word, holy. Holy, holy, holy. We sing holy all the time. Do you know what the word holy means? Sacred? Like, I, 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 tell, uh, I tell the teenagers that the word holy means Alien. God the Father knew you and chose you long ago, and his spirit has made you alien. That I think that that like that, that connects it maybe a little bit more. Holy means other, set apart, sacred. But, it, but really it just means completely different. Completely different. When he says. God the spirit has made you holy. He's saying, "Guess what? You're not from around here anymore. You're not just a new a new citizen. You're a new creature altogether." You remember this story? And Jesus is, is in his ministry and he's traveling around and Jesus returns to his own hometown. Do you remember this story? So this is a place he was raised, he has friends, you know, everybody knows him, everybody knows his family. And he returns to his own hometown, the place where he grew up. You remember what happens? The people no longer recognize him. And, and you think, oh, okay, well, they just didn't, you know, they didn't know who he was. Like, like, no, they, they couldn't wrap their brain around who he was anymore. I said, isn't this the that carpenter's son? Isn't this, but but he's speaking in, in ways that that are completely different and unimaginable for us. And they take it to such an extent that they try to murder him. This is the, the same same Jesus their kids played with the same Jesus that went to the picnics and the park, the same Jesus that they knew everything about him, but he was so unrecognizable to him, to them, that they tried to kill him. This is the audience that, that Peter is writing to. They haven't moved. They're not new to the area. They've been changed. They've been transformed. They've received new life in Christ Jesus, and, they, and they're living in such a way that they have become unrecognizable. They've become foreigners in their own hometown. Are you with me? And the result is people don't understand who they are anymore. You used to act like this, but now you're, you're acting like this. And they become ostracized and criticized. They become persecuted. And Peter's writing to this group of, of hometown kids who are now aliens. And, and this is a great letter, like, as we dig deeper. And one of the things you'll see is, all right, so what do you say to people who are trying to live as Christians in an unchristian context? Like, one of the things that, that I love is that Peter is never going to tell these aliens, these holy people of God, to, to withdraw from the world. That's not the message. I know sometimes we get that, like, like you know, we're, we become stealth Christians. You know, <laughs> I'm a Christian, but nobody knows about it. Have you ever met another Christian and it's like two CIA agents meeting each other for the first time? You know what I'm saying? Like, we've both been living these hidden lives. Like, no, no, no. Like, Peter is not once going to encourage these, these Christians to, well, the world is hard and they're not going to understand you. Why don't you just stay home? He's not telling them to withdraw. And, and another important thing that you need to see in, in Peter as he's writing to these Christians, trying to figure this whole thing out, is he, he's going to say, your job also is not to condemn the world. Oh, man, this is such an important one for us. You live different from it. You live as an alien in this world, but your job is not to condemn it. You know how I know? Everybody knows John 3.16, but do you know what John 3.17 says? Go ahead and put it on the screen. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. You remember what he said? God knew you and God chose you. Chose you for what? You're not to withdraw from it. You're not to condemn it. So, so why are you here? What's the, what's the result of this transformation, this new life that you've received in Christ? Maybe, maybe I can summarize it with a question. Do your friends and your family and your coworkers, do they see something different in you? Are you different? It's an interesting thing that, uh, you know, I said we're kind of like CIA agents sometimes. But some of us have, have lived undercover so long that that we've forgotten why we're here. We've, we've become unrecognizable as Christians? What's the danger of a Christian that looks like everyone else? Doesn't that dilute something? Don't we lose something every time the Christian man goes to the script club just because his clients want it? Don't we lose something? So Peter says if you fast forward all the way to the end, chapter five, we'll get there in weeks. In chapter five, verse 12, Peter says this. He says, I've, I've, I've written and sent this short letter to you with the help of Silas, whom I commend to you as a faithful brother. And then he says, my purpose. My purpose in writing is to encourage you. Not to withdraw from the world, not to condemn the world, but I'm gonna encourage you To enter into it and assure you that what you are experiencing is truly a part of God's grace for you. We're going to get to this a little bit more. But the challenge and the persecution and the questions and, and, and the alienation that maybe you experience for Christ, that's actually God's grace for you. Do you know that? Like that's going to test and purify your faith. That's going to help you become more of the person God has called you to be, not less. I love that he says, Man, man, I want to encourage you. One of, my, one of my professors in grad school, he used to always ask us, he said, Man, I, I'm looking for men and women of God. I'm looking for some Christians who have some real grit. Christians who are in this fight, Christians who have some real backbone. They're not running and hiding, but they're not, they're not condemning, but but they're standing in the midst of this unchristian world proclaiming the good news of Christ, regardless of of what the consequence is gonna be. I know, I know, I know no one is tying you up in animal skins. No one is gonna set you on fire. There is a cost here to live your life for Jesus every single day. To be completely obedient to Him, to surrender all to Him. So in just a minute, we're going to have a time of communion, and maybe it's maybe it's a time of of, of centering to to remember again this awesome sacrifice that Jesus sacrificed everything so you could have to Jesus didn't sacrifice everything so you could live as a CIA agent. Is that fair? So that you would live for him. He loves this world. And so in just a minute, we're going to send you to a time of communion. It's a time of response, too, man. If there's ways we can pray for you or serve you, we, we want that. Maybe you're ready to give your life to Jesus and baptism and, and, and come out of the shadows. Man, we, we want, to, want to do that. We have everything we, you, you might need. And while you're just entering this time of communion, maybe the question I, I want to send you with is, is where are you from? I know your I know your your license, if you pull your driver's license, it's got an address on it, right? I'm from the South. I'm from Tennessee. Half of you are from California. (laughs) I say, if Jesus is Lord, you are a foreigner from a foreign land altogether. It made me uh, remember this old church song we used to sing. The lines of it said, this world is not my home. I'm just passing through. I think if Jesus is Lord, then, then you are a foreigner, that this planet isn't your home, your family isn't your family that you have a brand new citizenship, a new life. And, and the encouragement I give you this morning to live and to do that new life is, is exactly what Peter says, that God knew you, God chose you, and God has cleansed you for this purpose, to live as foreigners, to live as Christians in this world. Will you pray with me? Father God, I thank you so much for your word and for its power, for, for the life and the example of, of Peter and for the encouragement that he gives. Father God, maybe some of us have been in the shadows a little bit too long maybe those, those beliefs that we've had that, that we held so firmly to at one point in time, maybe, maybe they've become a little bit diluted. And so God, in, in light of your grace, in light of all that you have done, in light of you knowing us and choosing us and calling us and cleansing us, God, raise us up. Give us some new, 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 uh, new strength today to live for you Father God, I pray that every person in here, that their, their life for you would be recognizable. God, and, and I know that, that there is somebody waiting for each and every one of us to come out of the shadows so that they might come to know the truth of who you are. So Father God, pour your spirit on us. Forgive us our sins. There are many. There are many. And help us to live each and every day for you and encourage each other to do the same. We love you, Father. In light of the amazing sacrifice of your son, Jesus, we offer you this prayer. Everyone together says,